Send the light, send the light, your blessing, blessing gospel light, let it shine. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Send the Light Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with my co-host, Michael Bolton. Brother Mike, how are the fields in the Waterloo area for receiving the gospel? They are white unto harvest. Uh, at this time, we have several studies going on with individuals, some from denominational backgrounds, some from uh, the Lord's Church, and some from no background whatsoever. Uh, we have correspondence courses going out, and we're working hard to reap what we can for the master. You know, the, the truth is, the farther and farther we become, uh, you know, the amount of time that goes by since the Lord walked this earth, the more, the easier it becomes for people to forget the fact that he's coming back. You know, we get so focused on our jobs and our responsibilities, our families and, and all that. And But ultimately, he's coming back and he's going to take his people home. And we need to, to let people know that. He has prepared a place for his people. Mm -hmm. Well, we're so glad you've tuned in today. Our hope and prayer is that we are able to help bring relevant, important Bible topics to your attention and explore what the Bible says regarding those topics. If you're listening or watching and you live here in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls area or, or the surrounding areas, we'd love to have you visit with us. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo, and you'll find us there Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have free resources that we can send to you. We have Bible courses by mail, and we also love studying the Bible with people in person. So feel free to reach out to us on our website at www.cedarterracecoc.com. You can find our YouTube or Facebook pages with the handle at Cedar Terrace COC or the email address or phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes. Brother Mike, last week we explored the question, can a Christian lose their salvation? Now this week we want to explore kind of a lesser considered idea when it comes to the Bible and Christian living, uh, but it's still a very important thing to consider as we'll find out through our, our um, talk today, uh, just being wise with our money, financial temperance. You know, we, we talked about before our podcast, you know, just how little you hear this talked about uh -huh. in a religious yeah. setting. But I think it's really important to note of the 38 recorded parables of Jesus, 16 of them deal with money or possessions. Almost half. Almost half. And the Gospels, one out of 10 verses, 288 in total, deal directly with the subject of money. And the Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, uh, fewer than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 passages on the topic of money and possession. Someone said that financial care and wisdom is the most talked about topic in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously true from those, yeah. those notes. So I believe that it's important that, you know, the Bible talks about the whole counsel of God. Right. This is obviously a big part of the whole counsel of That's God. Right. So I think it's worthy of our study. Yes, sir. So what, before we get started, as we normally do, let, why don't we open up with a word of prayer for our study today? Let's do that. Go ahead. 
Gracious Father, we thank you for the day that you've given to us, for the privilege of being able to be here and participate in these studies and these talks. We pray, Lord, that our search of your word will help us to know your will and help us to have the courage to apply it to our lives, to our hearts, and help us to have the discipline to be consistent. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to help others to know your will as well, so that they too can have a home in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I think it's one thing I would like to mention is when it comes to the topic of money, uh, I was um, the opposite. I was the opposite of wise for <laughs> most of my growing up. You know, my parents taught me from a young age to, to save money, to stay out of debt and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I knew everything. And so I didn't really listen to that very much. Um, and it really, you know, most of that was due to my own choosing, my own decisions, my own irresponsibility in yes. most of the cases. But I, I really went into my relationships and marriage uh, in a very poor spot. Um, my wife and I went through some very extremely difficult times the first couple of years of our marriage that had we not have been as committed due to our, our Christian upbringings, like very well could have ended in divorce. And it was because of my selfishness and poor decisions. You know, of all the topics in scripture that maybe the church doesn't do as good as it could do in teaching, and instructing its people, um, I think finances is right there at the top. I don't remember a time in my life when I wasn't involved in the church in some way, um, but I always remember a consistent mantra coming from those who, who went before me, do not preach on finances, do not preach on money, because it makes people mad. Yeah. Well... They will tell you, those same people will tell you, you have to preach against sin, even if it makes people mad. But with the preponderance of what the scripture talks about, of the references in scripture about finances, about money, I think, to use your phrase that you used a while ago, to, you, to teach the whole counsel of God, we must teach about money. Mm -hmm. And it's something that uh, we all struggle with from time to time. And it causes such great harm in our society, the improper care of money. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I agree. This is something that we need to be talking about. For me, personally, when I was growing up, I never really considered that money was a like a scriptural issue right. or, or something that could make me lose my salvation. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm not so sure today. I, I tend I, to think otherwise in certain regards. I would agree. In fact, growing up in the denominations, we were taught to tithe. Mm -hmm. And basically, we were taught, as long as you gave your 10%, you were fine. Mm -hmm. Which we know, living under the New Testament, we do not have that command That's right. to tithe. There's a anymore. different law in place nowadays. So. Um, some people say that 10% is a good starting place or a good... You know, it's an standard guide or yeah. correct. Yeah, but there is no scriptural command for us today That's to right. tithe. Um, besides, they tithe a tenth of everything. You know, <laughs> like many, many people don't give a tenth of their time to God, a tenth of their life. One person to God. 
did a, a comprehensive study of the tithe in the Old Testament law and said that if we were to match that, we would need to be given 60 to 70% of our income. Yeah. That's I kind believe of, it. that's kind of hard to yeah. swallow. <laughs> Especially for some people that don't give 10%. That's right. You know, or aren't, yeah. So there's, um, when it comes to finances and, and like the topic of our study today, financial temperance, a lot of that comes from just wisdom and the Bible gives so much wisdom regarding what we, what we have, or as the idea that we'll explore through this lesson, what God blesses us with, um, start, you know, Proverbs, you know, the kind of the book of wisdom, <laughs> right. uh, mentions it so much. Proverbs 21 verse 20 says there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it away. How do we see that illustrated today in the average, you know, Christian's life illustrated? Using my own life as an example, I would say there have been times when I would be classified as a fool. You and me both. Um, <laughs> so this is, I know wealthy Christians. Mm -hmm. I know men and women who are faithful to God and good, strong, faithful Christians who are also wealthy. And they have followed these principles. They've taken care of what God has given them. Mm. I haven't always done so. Really? So this has been a, a time of learning for me the last couple of years. And really when it comes down to what the Bible teaches about money, um, you know, you and I are both kind of on the Dave Ramsey train. Uh, but, um, you know, one thing that Dave Ramsey says is he says his plan is God and grandma's way of managing right. wealth and money. And, and I really appreciate how he mentions God there, not because God gives us direct instruction on money management uh, per se, but the idea of, of financial temperance comes from the idea of delaying pleasure. And if you think about debt, for example, a lot of debt, consumer debt, right. especially, it you know it comes from the inability to delay pleasure. And if you think about how that ties into our lives as Christians, you know we need to have self control. We need to be able to delay or withhold ourselves from pleasures of the world. We used to call that self discipline. Yeah, absolutely. Um. I lost my train of thought. I apologize. <laughs> so when the scriptures, you, you talked about knowing wealthy Christians. Right. When the scriptures refers to the idea of wealth and all these 2,000 passages where the Bible talks about, um, you know, wealth or money or possessions, it never illustrates that wealth is a bad thing That's right. or a sinful thing. Many people throughout the Bible were known to be wealthy. Um, you know, Solomon obviously had great wealth yes. and illustrates, you know, I've got more than all of you. So listen to me, you know, he, and so wealth is something that was not a stranger to people throughout the Bible. In fact, Job obviously is one who was, was wealthy and because of his obedience to God, God blessed him with more wealth, you know, he, so there are, there are plenty of illustrations of that, but what the Bible does talk about is the way that we allow that wealth to influence our lives, to influence our right. decisions or our character. 
ultimately not using financial temperance uh, in our decisions. And that will make wealth a negative thing in our lives. One thing that one person said was that um, I'm not going to be able to remember it word for word, but something along the lines of wealth exemplifies your existing characteristics. You know, if you are a generous person and you become wealthy, you will be a more generous more person. Generous. But if you are already um, the opposite of that, or if you are a selfish person, if you are an unwise person, you know, look at the lottery, like the, the lottery. I, I just read an article the other day. This person, I forget what state it was in, won like $50, $50 million or something like that. And within three months had spent it all and was bankrupt. In three months. That's crazy. Yeah. But but then there are some people, not that I'm advocating for the lottery, <laughs> a discussion for a different day, but there are some people who could receive a large inheritance or a large windfall of some sort and they would be fine because they are already wise financially. Right. They already have that wisdom. They are already disciplined in, in their own, in their personal life. Mm -hmm. So wealth can, can become a bad thing in our lives if we let it, but it comes from that lack of temperance in the way we use it. And that lack of temperance can lead to a lifestyle that's not reflective of a Christian. A lack of financial self-control can lead to secrets, right. uh, can lead to lies, deception, guilt, frustrations. And I'm saying that because that's what I dealt with back when I was not being wise. Uh, those first, you know, through my teenage years and, and the first couple years of my marriage to Ashley, I kept secrets. I was feeling guilt and frustration and lying and and it was all because of a mismanagement or a misunderstanding of wealth and how God expects us right. to view um, our, our possessions. So regarding the issue of temperance, I believe that, that when it comes down to it, the issue with money management comes down to not having a proper understanding of the idea of stewardship. Um, when you think of the word stewardship, what comes to your mind? taking care of something that belongs to someone else. Mm -hmm. This wealth that we have, whatever measure it is, however much or whatever the quantity is, belongs to God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's so true with many things in our life. Right. I used to be a manager at Chick-fil-A up in Waterloo, and you know I had keys to the building, I had alarm codes, I had access to all the money, the safe, like yep. I was... I had, Everything in that building I had access to, that was the the owner of that building. I was being a steward Trust of in you. those things. He entrusted me, and the Bible right. uses that uh, terminology specifically. I want to look an example in Scripture in Luke chapter 10 and look at the idea of stewardship. Let's go and read. Uh, we'll read Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Many people refer to this as the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay. Um, so we'll read these passages here. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? But he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? 
So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring, uh, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he had departed, he took out two denarii and gave to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. I believe in this parable here, we find three different examples regarding the idea of stewardship. The first example we find are from the thieves. You know, the thieves demonstrated an idea of stewardship, but not a good one. Their idea is what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it from you. Right. We see that today. All the time. You know, it, it, we see that um, illustrated in different ways. Um, the, the, the obvious one are people who steal today. But we see that also, you know, actually right now we're in tax time. You know, how many people are being dishonest on their taxes to get a refund? You know, what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it from you. Um, so there, there's, good. there's different ways we see that illustrated, obviously not what a Christian should be exemplifying. But then we see the Levite in verse 32, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. He illustrated also kind of a poor example of stewardship where he, by his actions said, what's mine and is mine and I'm going to keep it for myself. Right. But then we see the Samaritan coming along, illustrating the the true attitude of uh, stewardship that Samaritan understood, even though there was a political uh, climate between the Jews and the Samaritans recognized that this man needed something and he currently possessed what that man needed. Notice I said he currently had, he currently possessed something that was given to him or allowed uh, that God allowed him to have. And he, he illustrated the idea that we should strive to illustrate today is what's mine is yours, and I'll share it with and you. And I'll share it with you. You know, those are the three ideas we see here. And it's it's easy to, to realize which one we should exemplify. The lawyer answered Jesus' question correctly. The neighbor was the one who showed, showed mercy. Mm-hmm. And it's curious that Jesus said, go and do thou likewise, or you go do the same thing. Today, if we make application of this parable as we're trying to do today, if we're swallowed up in debt, if we're swallowed up with having to live paycheck to paycheck, as the phrase is, and so many of us do here, especially in the U.S., we can't 
go and do likewise. We're prohibited from keeping the commandment that Jesus gave. Yeah. How good does it feel, you know, when you know of somebody in need and you're able, you're in the position to be able to yes. offer them. Now, I understand. I I'm, I don't want to illustrate the idea that if you don't have wealth or if you don't have savings or something, you're doing something wrong. Because I know that there's situations that, you know, that people sometimes can't help. I do believe, however, that that there are a lot of people where they're in situations that they could do something about, um, where they could make positive changes in their life through using financial temperance. You know, both of us being uh, fans of a current radio host that's, that's popular, uh, Dave Ramsey, we're, we're kind of opposed, predisposed maybe to be opposed to being in debt and, we see in scripture so many references that teach us the dangers of being in debt. But the scriptures also teach us that when you have to go into debt, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. So the scriptures make allowance for those times of necessity when there is no other way out than to go into debt. And sometimes in the Old Testament, there was the laws of slavery that, that were wrapped around that idea. And that's kind of a pretty big example. I always tell people, um, you know, my wife and I don't have debt. Uh, we do have our mortgage. Um, but one thing I tell people is I am not anti-debt. I say I'm anti-stupid debt. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I say. Um, because, you know, ultimately there are types of debt that just are unwise. You know, I don't want to eat myself into credit card debt. Yes. Um, I don't want to clothe myself into credit card debt or things like that. Um, those are decisions that we make and that prevent us from being able to help our neighbor, as Jesus illustrates. We started out talking about a philosophy among our society, our culture especially here in the West, that we have to have satisfaction right now. Mm-hmm. We have to satisfy whatever our craving or desire is right now. And that drives this, this debt principle in some cases. But the scripture seems to teach differently that we should be satisfied with the things that we have mm-hmm. and trust in God. Yeah, absolutely. I think... One thing that I think about is I had a lot of stupid debt. Um, I mean, being completely transparent, um, I had debt from paying off other debt, you know, like I paid one credit card off with another and racked up interest. And I probably used that credit card for Subway, you know, or, or oh, well. you know, yeah. stupid stuff. And I'm, I'm so ashamed of that and, and the, the way I managed um what God blessed me with at that time. But if you knew if someone was in need, if you knew of somebody that was in need, um, recently you and I had a, a friend that lost a, a son. Right. And he was in need. You know, I, I was thankful, you know, the congregation was able to, to send some support and different people were able to send some support. Um, 
but what if you couldn't send support because you had to make a, a payment on, you know, that dress that you bought <laughs> or, you know, things like that. Right. And you were bound, you made an, ob you are obli you're obligated to pay that debt off. And so instead of being able to be that good neighbor, That's right. we got to make that payment on something that we didn't really need to begin with. And that's the trap that I think we fall into a lot of times is, you know, we, um, it just comes down to that temperance, that self-control, you know, temperance meaning self-control, you know, we have to have self-control when it comes to how we manage, uh, how we are stewards for what God mm -hmm. blesses us with. When it comes to stewardship, you know, we're talking about money right now. God blesses us with what we have. He doesn't have to, you know, he doesn't have to allow us to have what we have right. in our lives. What about our time? You know, are we not stewards with the time that God's blessed us with? I think so. Are you saying that everything that we're saying about money could also be said about the hours and the minutes? Being of wise. Yeah. Yes. Being wise I with agree. what we choose to use our time on. Um, but that's true with our, our possessions, our relationships. You know, pretty much every aspect of our life is a blessing from God. And I believe he expects us to be good stewards with all of those things. Our time should be used to glorify God in, in whatever we do. Yes. Um, our relationships, our friendships, our marriages, our relationships with our children should be used to bring glory to God. And they are designed to do that right. when they're used correctly, when we're good stewards of them. Let's look at another example of stewardship in Matthew 25. I'm going to read verses 14 through 30. Or maybe you'd like to read verses 14 through 30. Sure. The scripture says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And he immediately went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you have delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you sought to have so you ought to have deposited my money with bankers, and at my coming I would receive back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. 
For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I believe that's a pretty powerful illustration of stewardship. Recognizing, these men recognize, well, two of the men recognize right. that what they had was given to them by their master. And they were expected to be good stewards of it. I find it interesting, every time that I read this and, and that I've studied this, the one talent man passed judgment on his Lord who had given him a talent, mm -hmm. given him the ability to use this gift for the Lord's glory. And the one talent man passed judgment on him. This is my understanding of blasphemy. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think, the root of the problem as to why the one talent man was bound and cast into outer darkness. Yeah. One powerful idea that I draw, uh, or that I, I gain whenever I read this parable, the Bible talks about, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, that God's not going to give us more than we can handle. Right. Right. Can that also be applied to wealth and possessions? I think it absolutely is applied to wealth and to possessions. The master in this parable distributed his assets according to, I mean, the Bible says, each according to his own ability. ability. And so how do we know? And I know people that have, have in the past, and including myself, prayed for wealth, um, and, and maybe people pray for wealth and they are perfectly good reasons. You know, uh, in the past, you know, I, I've heard people pray for, um, you know, that God will help us uh, make more money so we can go to more gospel meetings or so we can be better steward, you know, better servants in the church or so that we can be um, more generous. Uh, I've heard people pray for that, you know, that God will bless us with wealth so that we can share that wealth right. with others and be generous people but if we can't be good stewards with what he's already given us how can we expect him to give us more i think that would be an unfair expectation yeah he would be giving us more than we can handle now there's also the idea of the talent um and mike criswell's contending for the faith he says this regarding the talent spoken of he says the talents refer to any resource, whether natural or gifted, through which we are to glorify the Lord. Whatever ability we have or have been given is the Lord's. Even our lives are his. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. So we could go off, you know, we're talking about financial temperance, but we could go off with, you know, we were talking earlier about our time and our relationships, right. But, but our talents and the things that we're able to do, the opportunities we have to share the gospel with others or mm -hmm. to reach out, um, whether we are, maybe you're a, you know, you have a bubbly personality, you know, you're, you're the kind of person that people just love to be around. Use that, 
you know, recognize that God has blessed you with that and expects you to use that for his glory and for his righteousness. We all have an ability. We all have some talent Mm -hmm. that God has given to us. So we must use it for his glory. And I, I used to be one that prayed that God would give me more so that I could do more for the, for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I don't pray that way anymore. I pray that now that God will help me be wise with what he has already given me. Mm-hmm. Because I understand from the scriptures that when I act wisely with what he has given me, it's his nature to give us more. Mm-hmm. And I think rather than doing what this one talent man did and pass judgment on God and, didn't do and call him evil and not yeah. do anything, that's right. Um, I think that's a better, a better action on our part, mm-hmm. a better request on our part. In my, the way I see, when I read this parable, in my opinion, my favorite part of this parable was the illustration that was made with the two talent servant. He was not given as much, but because he went out, was wise with it, was a good steward with right. it, he received the same reward that the, the five talent yes. man did. And so to me, that is uh, illust- the scriptures illustrating that it doesn't matter what your talent is or how much talent you have. Right. Go and use it and be wise with it. Now, when it comes to the one talent man, I find it hard to even feel sorry for him because he also had that opportunity. He had the opportunity to take that one talent and double it just like the two talent man did, but he didn't, he did nothing with it. So you're saying God is fair. I believe he is equal because he gives us all what we can do. Mm -hmm. What according to our ability, in other words. Yeah. We last night had a singing service yes. at the, the building, and they're doing some work upstairs in our auditorium, uh, some drywall work. So we had to meet down in the basement. So we had concrete floors, low ceilings. <laughs> and I, I had said afterwards, I vote that we have every singing <laughs> down in the basement moving forward. There was, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six six or eight song leaders that took part in leading the songs. Each one of those six or eight song leaders having varying degrees of musical knowledge and skills and uh, vocal control, if you (laughs) want to call it that. There's six or eight different song leaders, but all of them got up and gave their best. That's right. You know, we may not be a great song leader, You know, that may not be the talent that we're referring to, but God expects us to take whatever it is that we have and give our best at it. Amen. Um, Obviously, we're talking about money in this episode of the podcast. And so we want to be good stewards of our money. We want to make sure that we recognize that the possessions that we have were given to us by our master. And that he expects us to use them yes. wisely. The truth of the matter uh, regarding finances, money is necessary for the world that we live in. 
today. Maybe there's other areas of the world where that's not the case, but there's always, always has been, always will be in this world, a level of trade, you know, a market trade market. We can't allow money or possessions to take over our life. You know, we have to recognize that, that we're blessed with it by God, that he expects us to use it wisely. But I think that we also have to recognize that there is a dark side to money and possessions and wealth. So God's blessings, if misused, can become evil on our part. Look at the Garden of Eden. Amen. You know? That's exactly what I was thinking about. Adam and Eve chose to take a wonderful blessing from God and bring sin into it. Make it not a good thing anymore. They got kicked out of it. You know? It was no longer what God intended for it to be. Even though money, in essence, is just a medium for trade or exchange, it can become our God. Just like with the rich young ruler, you know, he, the Bible never says what happened to him. I don't want to assume that, you know, it says he went away sorrowfully, but did he go away sorrowfully because he knew what he was about to do? You know, he recognized that he was giving up everything, but that it would be worth it. You know, the Bible, I don't think, really illustrates what ultimately happened. But in that moment, he had sorrow because he recognized, you know, that he had something that he was going to have to give it up. It was currently a God in his life. That's right. And I think that you hit the nail on the head with that illustration. I have often argued that the rich young ruler did not follow Jesus at that point because he realized that when he sold his possessions, he was going to have to make Christ the Lord in his mm-hmm. life instead of his possessions. You shall have no other God before no me. No other gods before me. Luke 16, verse 13, no man can serve two masters. Kind you of knocks in the head his claim that he had kept all those things from his youth up. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. exactly. Uh, Jesus made a statement on a separate occasion in Matthew 19, verses 23 and 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, one thing here is that it says it's hard. Not Not impossible. But it's hard because of the power that money can potentially carry the love of money can carry with it if you think about why money has so much power if you if you think about money has carries with it the same characteristics as deity and we talked about this yesterday on the phone you know money brings security money brings freedom money brings in some cases power or authority Mm -hmm. Um, isn't that God? That's exactly what God does. And so we can allow money. When, when we pursue money as the primary uh, thing in our life, it becomes an insatiable desire. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. 
Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 and 10, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money. The love of the money. The love of money. I think that's important. So, kind of tying back into what we started with, that the scriptures tell us about many godly people who are wealthy or were wealthy at you know in their time. Here in Matthew 20, uh, 19, 25, and 26, Jesus says, it's hard for a rich man to enter heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. We just stressed mm-hmm. that it's hard, not impossible. Many people today take the, a couple of verses down completely out of context yep. where Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. He's saying that it is possible for a rich man to be faithful. He just has a different level of responsibility, a different level mm-hmm. of difficulty. So context is still key, yeah. even when we're talking about a topic such as financial uh, mm-hmm. responsibility. Absolutely. So I don't want to leave our listeners... Uh, with the impression that we think debt is sinful, right? Um, as I said earlier, I don't. I personally, I'm not anti-debt. I'm just anti-irresponsible debt. Right. Debt is the result of the inability to delay pleasure. Um, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't even necessarily say that's a sin. I just think the Bible is pretty clear on illustrating that it's not a wise thing. Uh, was it Proverbs nineteen? Uh, the borrower is slave to the lender. Slave to the lender. You know, um, I don't. I don't see in scripture um, any positive illustration of debt or owing somebody something. Well, taking what Proverbs tells us, God sets men free. Mm-hmm. Why would we want to be enslaved again? Correct. Go ahead. No, you're absolutely right. Any remarks before we close? Any other points you want to talk about? Um, no, I'm I'm good today. This is good. It's a you know it's a learning experience. I'm so thankful for uh, the resources that we have. I'm thankful for my wife who was patient with me when I was pretty foolish. Um, she was pretty stubborn with me and and stuck with me and you know. I'm, I'm thankful for that and God's patience and strength through learning those difficult lessons. It's never too late to become wise with money. That's right. It's never too late to learn to be temperate in, in our finances and our talents and our possessions. Some people may think it is, but um, as you've heard on the, the show that we listen to, um, there's some really elderly folks sometimes yes. that recognize that they're in bad shape and they it's decide to do late. something about it. So yeah, it's, it's never too late. If anything in this episode has sparked questions regarding salvation, Christian living, money, possessions, or any other topic, please reach out to us. And we'll be happy to try to answer those questions using the Bible as our authority. 
Tune in next week for another episode of the Send the Light podcast where we discuss relevant, important Bible topics and explore what the Bible says regarding those topics. I'm not sure uh, what our schedule will look like for next week yet, but we do have a special treat for our listeners next week. We'll have uh, Brother Matt Enos, Lord willing, on the show talking about uh, musical worship to God and, and what God accepts or may not accept. It's interesting that uh, we've been talking about delaying our pleasures and delaying our... So that, that podcast, I think, is going to be a couple of days later than Delay. what we normally yeah. do. <laughs> Once again, if you're listening or watching and you live here in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls, or surrounding areas, uh, we'd love to have you visit with us. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo. You'll find us there at 10.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Uh, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have free resources we can send to you. We have Bible courses and tracks and other goodies that we can send you by mail. And please don't forget, we love to study the Bible Amen. with folks in person. We'd love to study with you in person. Feel free to reach out to us on our website at www.cedarterracecoc.com or you can find our Facebook page or YouTube handle at Cedar Terrace COC or the email address and phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with my co-host, Michael Bolton. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. God bless you.